Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In this episode, we welcome freelance journalist for the Des Moines Register and Sports Illustrated, Adam Hensley. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. This is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always are my good mates and buds, Jeremy Machino and Cole Szynski. Gentlemen, how are we? Nick, it's good to be back. You know, sometimes life throws you curveballs. Schedules don't always work out. That's what we're learning with uh, working a part-time job, basically, with the podcast and uh, working full-time in our making money in our real life. So, you know, sometimes schedules don't always line up, and it's always going to be a transition when we all get back to work. However, this week's guest was awesome to talk about, talk to, talk about, talk with Adam. He's a sports guy. I'm a sports guy. We had a lot of fun. I mean, I had a blast on the podcast. I think he did too. And I mean, Cole couldn't have found a better guest for me, I guess. I will say, Jeremy, it's uh, it's good to have you back, man. Nick and I, I, I think we were pretty proud of the job we did um, in your absence. But obviously, like you said, and like we mentioned, you know, life happens and we're people too. And sometimes the schedule just doesn't line up. And sometimes you got you to gotta learn to be flexible with these things. But um, yeah, dude, Adam was a lot of fun to talk to. We got we got kind of a nice blend of just kind of sports talk like, you know, the the three of us do and and obviously we're very passionate about it, but also we got to hear a little bit about just like his journey. Um he talked a lot about how important that establishing relationships and and networking and um really he kind of even talked a little bit on what the best do better than everyone else as far as the journalism industry goes. Um, to kind of follow along nicely with the the, tra- the book Training Camp by John Gordon that we, we've talked about uh, not too long ago. But um, yeah, dude, I mean, he's one of my, my oldest and dearest friends. And so I'm very, very thankful that we got to have him on um, when we did, just being the, the busy season of life that we are kind of coming into now that sports are starting to roll back with him being in sports, Jeremy, you being in sports, myself being in sports. And Obviously, just, you know, working a full-time job in general, as all, all three of us know, is a very, very busy thing. I think the two words I would use to describe Mr. Adam um, are energy and perspective. I think that, A, he's probably had the most uh, giddiness, if you will, or energy. You could tell this guy is extremely passionate about what he does and also about being a Hawkeye fan, which I absolutely admire. Uh, and then also the journalism perspective and just how he sees things in a little bit different way that, that we may not see the world as actual fans where he has to maybe remain in a neutral uh, perspective. But uh, yeah, it was it was great to have him on. And uh, Jeremy, it was great to get you back in the studio, man, uh, that beautiful studio that we have on State Street. Uh, but before we get started real quick, uh, if I could have all my fellow Hawkeyes, uh, go ahead and uh, get yourselves ready to go because we have a fellow Hawkeye, sorry for being redundant, uh, coming on the podcast. So all the support is great. Uh, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam Hensley, how are you, Adam? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. It, it kind of worked out great that we got you this week right after the Iowa High School uh, Baseball State Tournament, which you were covering. So you're, you're probably loaded up on coffee after, you know, you said off air having to work 14-hour days. But uh, yeah. <laughs> welcome to State Street. Uh, these are 
the co-hosts, Nick and Jeremy. Uh, guys, this is Mr. Adam Hensley, one of my oldest and, and dearest friends. It's good to uh, you know finally meet you. I uh, I didn't get the chance to hop on before the call and talk to you because uh, the work uh, the workload is now basically in full swing. But having another sports guy and hearing his story and hearing how he got to where he is currently is going to be a, a great time. Yeah, I think you have been interesting since the moment that we've met, even though we've only known each other for 20 minutes. <laughs> but no, it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, let's let's get right into her though, Cole. I think yeah, uh, I think he's got a lot of good stuff to talk about, and we'll we'll have a fun conversation. Yeah, well, um, Adam, as you know, the three of us were were student athletes in college, baseball players. Um, you, however, you worked at the Daily Iowan for the University of Iowa. You were you ended up being the boss man there, overseeing everything, um, getting to cover football, baseball, basketball, all these super cool sports. Um, and you have a pretty cool journey, which we got to talk a little bit about off air. Um, give our listeners kind of an idea of what that work environment was like and uh, and what that was kind of that that whole experience um, was like for you those four years. Yeah, um, working at the Daily Iowan was uh, a pretty eventful, eventful time. Um, like I said earlier, I, I jumped in as a freshman, did not know what I was getting myself into, um, <laughs> kind of got thrown into fire. Learned there, and it was like a small workload my first two years. And then my junior year, when I was a sports editor, I was, I like just dove in headfirst. And that's all I did for the remainder of my time at Iowa was stuff with the Daily Iowa. Um, so, like, I was in charge of the sports department my junior year. And then I was in charge of football my senior year, which was like, we called it pregame. It was like a weekly insert with football stuff. But um, it was a, definitely an interesting environment. I loved it. I would pay money to have another four years of that. Um, <laughs> basically, it's a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-olds uh, having to literally create a paper, write stories, print it, design it, everything, um, all in a day for the next day's paper. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a roller coaster. <laughs> well, and you so right before we jumped on the call, you mentioned how you came in as a freshman and you had somewhat of a limited role, which allowed you to kind of have like that normal quote, mm -hmm. air quotes, normal, like college lifestyle where you're kind of involved, but you're also still getting to hang out with friends and like, just figure out what college is all about. And especially the university of Iowa, where football is a big deal. Basketball is a big deal. Wrestling is a big deal. Um, and then, like you said, as you progress, you became the, the sports editor. I mean, you, like you ran the operations, you oversaw everything. Um, so what, let me ask, just running a student newspaper like that, especially the the sports section, how do you lead like 18 to, to 21, 22 year olds? I feel like that would be absolutely chaotic. Yeah, it is. Uh, for the most part, like I technically, so you have to apply to work there. And so I got to have this sort of vetting process where people would send in samples or I'd, I'd interview them kind of like, hey, basically like just. So I got a good sense of like their work ethic or their skills right away. Um, and obviously not everyone starts out at that same level and stuff, but it's kind of what you would expect, like trying to <laughs> round up, you know, stories from, I think my junior year, we had like 10, 12 people in sports. So like any given day, it's me texting people being like, people being like, Hey, where's your story at? Or like, Hey, I need you to come in. Like, I want you to come in while I edit this, just show you the stuff. 
Um, basically, it was me trying to get a hold of, like I said, 10 to 12 people at once, like 24 seven, um, working with like the reporters that I oversaw on top of collaborating with like the photo department, getting photos we need, uh, the designers for like making sure the page looks correct and everything like that. Um, there was a lot of moving parts and that was like just sports. Like I, I wasn't the editor in chief. I didn't oversee the whole paper and I'm glad I didn't because <laughs> that would have been like way too much, but it's, uh, it's definitely kind of a controlled chaos, but like I said, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> so was this a, a, a passion of yours in high school or how the heck did you stumble upon that specific industry? Um, so in high school, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. Um, I <laughs> thought it'd be fun to to join like my high school's uh, yearbook and newspaper class, which I loved. And I just did a bunch of sports stuff for him. And I was like, I really like this. And uh, one of my teachers, uh, Kent Peterson, don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but shout out Mr. P. He was like, you know, you can kind of do this for like a living if you want. And I was like, oh shit, okay. He's like, yeah, all and right. So, yeah, like I, I would love to do this, get paid to do it. That'd be great. Um, so I kind of looked around um, to see what the University of Iowa had in terms of like a journalism school and the program there. Um, and like, I don't mean to like brag, but University of Iowa has a really, really good journalism school. Like I learned a ton there and they have a ton of great resources. Um, like I will definitely advocate for that program at Iowa. Um, and so it was just like a, a pretty good match where I was able to get in as a freshman. Um, like I got a scholarship to work there at the DI and I just went from there from day one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know if this was like literally something you stumbled upon that you like all of a sudden we're like oh my gosh this is this is fantastic uh but it sounds like there was more of a predestined plan a little bit yeah a little bit like i knew i was into sports and stuff i played sports in high school wasn't good at them but i enjoyed playing them and then <laughs> i wanted to like still do something with sports um so yeah it was definitely the, the best of both worlds on that end well, and it led to some pretty cool opportunities. Now, I don't want to move to that quite yet. I just want to know really quick, just as a as a personal question, what was like the craziest or or most unique situation that you were put in as the sports editor for the Daily Island? Ooh, put me on the spot. That was a I good had, question, Cole. That was good. <laughs> I don't know necessarily things I had to do with as like sports editor. Um we had stuff happen my senior year with uh, Gary Dolphin, who was the play-by-play -play announcer with Iowa. He like used the term King Kong to describe Bruno Fernando, who's this a black player on Maryland, and it was this huge mess with like the national media got a hold of it. Oh and, yeah, jeez. Like yeah, so. It was like stuff like that where I, it wasn't necessarily even sports related. And it was a whole different thing where then all of a sudden you're, you know, into like, like a racial and like social justice thing. And you're just like, this took a, this took a turn from just, you know, covering it a basketball It took a bad game. turn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting. But so, yes, obviously the DI was super critical. Obviously just getting you into, because you're still a sports writer to today. Um, as I mentioned, you just wrapped up doing stuff with the Iowa High School uh, State Baseball Tournament here in the state of Iowa. Um, but right out of college, you got to do you got to have a pretty cool experience and go out to Nashville, Tennessee. 
where you were working for USA Today in a little bit of a distant, like a different role. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about, because obviously, you know, I've started my career in sports, moving out to California, working in minor league baseball, sports, working in sports, but, you know, obviously a, a job, any, like in any, any sense of the word can take you anywhere in the country. Uh, so what was it like for you moving away from home, moving away from like a state that you grew up in, went to school and, you know, obviously have a lot of pride um, vested in the state of Iowa and, and sports here. But what was it like leaving there, covering sports out there and, and working really with like some of the best reporters and writers in the country? Yeah, it was definitely a change of pace, uh, especially the, just the logistical side of things, because I was born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. Like, that's all I'd really known. I got to travel a lot with the Daily Iowan, which was nice because I got some exposure with bigger cities and stuff, but I never had actually lived outside of Iowa. And so when I got this chance, so the the job I had in Nashville, my title technically was a digital producer. So what I did was like, we helped out a bunch of different uh, publications across the USA Today network we did their social media, so like their Twitter, their Facebook posts. We did um, updated their websites to make sure like pages or the stories that were doing the best were on the homepage, stuff like that. Um, but the sports side of things, I got to do like trending sports coverage. So we worked with like the Tallahassee Democrats. So I did a lot of Florida State stuff. Um, the Montgomery Advertiser. So I did Alabama, Auburn football. Um, I did some LSU football a lot. Actually, oh, man. In one of the... Yeah, so I, I covered the national championship game. That was oh. crazy. Um, so that was fun. But um, Nashville itself is very inter- It's a, definitely a change of pace from Iowa. Uh, I love. <laughs> I would hope the weather. You, you don't say. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like the weather was fantastic because it's like sixty in December. Like I was wearing shorts and just doing my own thing versus it's like negative twenty in Iowa. Um, but it's uh it's crazy there. Like Nashville is growing at a very rapid rate, like too much that it can handle. So there's a million people there at once. Like it's, we're talking earlier, like Broadway with all the bars on there. That's a mess, like any day of the week. Um, (laughs) and then, yeah, it's, it's, I liked it. I would definitely go back and vacation there, but I probably would not live there again. (laughs) So how would you compare that work environment to the one that you were able to established like a leading role in at like like at the di yeah it was definitely different because like again it's like when i'm at the di it's people that are younger than me or like the same age or like maybe a few months older than me uh that i'm like working alongside and then i get to my current job and it was a relatively young office so like most people were in their like late 20s or so um, right. mid 20s but i mean i had i answered to like actual adults as my my, my <laughs> managers there yeah <laughs> um which in that sense it was like weird going back to that because i was like oh yeah like i'm the youngest person here i had the least amount of experience because i just came here out of school um but i loved it because them being all older than me means they had a ton of a great experience and they were always down to share stuff with me like i learned so much i think i was there for like eight months um, I learned a ton there and a lot of it was just kind of on the fly, but, uh, another big perk of, like I said, having people who are like veterans that you're working with. Well, I think that's some of the, the common misconception when we enter our careers a little bit, and we talk uh, more so on, 
uh, our Tuesday episodes about mentorship and how vital it is to be around people that are going to make you uncomfortable. So like, even though it was only eight months, I bet you learned so much in that eight month time period, it could equate to two years worth of experience. Oh yeah, it was, I, I learned, like I had no experience doing any sort of digital producing stuff, uh, in college. I did, we did a little bit of some digital stuff. Um, but I had nowhere near the experience that like when I left, like I, I'm now qualified to be a producer if I never want to do that again. Um, so that was, it was, it was definitely beneficial. So what are you doing now? Like what, what is, uh, what's happening now? Obviously, you know, you're, you're back from Nashville. Like I said, you covered the, the state baseball tournament. What is the hopes, um, as far as that goes? Yeah. So when I first came back, I really didn't have that big of a plan. I knew I wanted to get back into sport, sports writing like I did in school. So I kind of just left on a limb and was like, you know what? I'll find something when I get back because um, I just want to be back in Iowa. Um, and so I currently work. I do. I Technically, I guess my title would be like a freelancer. So I work for the Des Moines Register. I cover Southeast Polk and then Ankeny and Ankeny Centennial High School sports. I do like weekly stories for them. And then in addition to that, I work for, uh, technically it's called Hawkeye Maven. It's like the Iowa site out of Sports Illustrated's networks. And so I get to cover University of Iowa sports again for like Sports Illustrated. So that's <laughs> always a good time. So I'm curious now, just because you've had, you've had obviously a lot of different experiences already early in your career as like a sports writer and then obviously producer, even like you said, you're, you're qualified to do that now. On this podcast specifically, we talk a lot about the books we read, and we just actually finished up a book talking about like what the best do better than everyone else. In your mm-hmm. experience, obviously, you've been very successful because you got a leadership, a leadership position. You got to work for USA Today, and obviously, doing freelance stuff for Sports Illustrated and for the Des Moines Register is a pretty big deal. And I mean, if you're going to if they're going to keep you on and like keep having keep accepting your work, it's important that you be good at it. So what are like what separates obviously because the three of us were were athletes you know not necess- not maybe the greatest writers in the world and and obviously <laughs> being a true. sports writer you know people pay you to have opinions on sports they pay you maybe to be different maybe pay you to be a little cookie cutter have the same takes as everyone but also I mean a big part of it is setting yourself apart and bringing a different take so what in like in the sports um, in the sports writing industry and and what kind of things do you do and what kind of things do like the best writers and the best producers that you've gotten to work with, what do they do differently than everyone else? I would say at least like the best in the business. I feel like, uh, you got to read a lot. Um, I think there's people who are like, I don't care what other people are writing. I'm just doing my thing. I'm like, you got to know what the competition's writing. Like when I was with the daily Iowan, we had, so we're in Eastern Iowa, Iowa city. We had the press citizen, which was like, one of the papers in the USA Today network for Iowa City. We had the Des Moines Register and I think the Gazette, like three different like actual adult newspapers there. And it wasn't for us just to sort of like read whenever. It was like, we're going to see what they're doing, how they're writing, how they're covering things, and we're going to do better than them. Like that was our thing where it's like, you got to see what your competition is doing. And in that regard, it helps to get like sort of a fresh perspective because I think a lot of times, especially what I'm doing now where like I'm working from home, a lot of my job is a ton of interviews over the phone. So I'm not really interacting with like the guys I used to work alongside with when I was at the DI. So I don't necessarily interact with them as much. So in turn, it's like, I'm trying to read more and see sort of 
what other people are saying because maybe there's a perspective I'm not seeing on something. Um, I would also say uh, think outside the box if you're going to write because I've like accepted the fact that I'm not necessarily going to break news like right now. Um, I know a couple of buddies of mine, they do stuff with 24-7 sports. Mm. They just kick ass at recruiting. They've got all the scoops. They know everybody. I will, I'm not at that level. I'm not going <laughs> to attempt to be at that level. My thing is like, okay, so this kid commits to Iowa for, uh, like for football or for basketball. Um, what's special about him? That's, my, that's where I try and pride myself in um, finding stuff that people don't know, like more than just surface level stuff. Like it's one thing to be like, this guy's good. Here's why. But like I talked to this guy who committed to Iowa to play football. His name's Arlen Bruce. He's like tight with Patrick Mahomes. And I had no clue before that. Like they've got their numbers and he was texting them like while I was recruiting him and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, and there was like, I randomly, like another thing, a part of my job, this is kind of a rant, but like, I love how I talk to people that I would otherwise have no business speaking to Mm. with my job. Like I get stories, story ideas just off the cusp, just from like BSing with coaches. Like I was talking with the, one of the assistant coaches on the women's basketball team. And she tells me how um, one of her old players from like 2000 has like this insane pair of like jo- like a Jordan collection of like Air Jordan shoes. And this was at really? the time of the last dance and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, OK, who is this? Because this is super cool. And so this woman who played basketball at Iowa is now one of the athletic directors at Yale. And oh like gosh. somehow she ended up on that after she was in Iowa City. And she's like this small. She grew up in Washington, Iowa, like a farm town, like super small in Iowa. And so I ended up talking to her about like her time at Iowa. And I was like, how do you have all these Jordan shoes? And like, she has an insurance <laughs> policy because it's, it's that much. And like, it's stuff like that where My goodness. Um, I try and find stuff that like maybe isn't the first thing people think of when they're looking for information, I guess. I love that approach because not only are you building like incredible relationships or at least light tie weak ties with a bunch of people. Like you said that you don't even know how or why you would ever run into them, but it's like that, that uniqueness and you never know. And I'm sure that's the thrill of being a writer is going to that next level. and like, okay, who else has an insurance policy on their Jordan shoe collection that, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's just the part where it's like, I mean, I, I don't technically have a schedule with being a freelance writer. It's I like kind of work when I can and stuff. And no, no day is the same. Like every day is kind of a, <laughs> it sounds cliche. <laughs> Excuse me, but like every day is a, a different adventure where it's like, all right. Um, like I obviously have things I know I'm going to write about, but it's like, okay, I'm going to try and reach out to people and see what I get out of them. Um, sometimes I get stuff, sometimes I don't. Um, but it's, that's another part of my job that I love because it's not an office job. I mean, I guess I work at my desk, but it's not like I'm sitting there. I have set hours. It's like I'll send a bunch of emails to like coaches or send some texts to like players being like, hey, like when you get a chance, get back to me. And it's sort of it's it's crazy, just like kind of when I was at the DI where it's like nonstop. But I love it. (laughs) It's fantastic. Well, that's I mean, that's super important to any job, too. And obviously, you know, we're talking sports specifically. But I mean, anything you're passionate about, if you can get paid to do it, why not do it? I mean, it's, it's still like, I mean, that's what, and that's one of those things beyond the paycheck that like makes a job, not a job is like the fact that you get to talk to 
a person who just happens to know Patrick Mahomes, he, he got what five hundred and three million dollars. Yeah, and insane. Getting to now yeah, he's a part owner of the Royals. Yeah, yeah. Guy just guys bought stake in the the Kansas City Royals, and uh, I mean, getting to just talk to like interesting people day in and day out. That's one of those things that can um, it makes a job that much more enjoyable, and it makes it something that's more than just a paycheck that's going to pay the bills. So, do you? like crime shows or crime investigative shows yes okay because i feel like that the tickingness or like the motivating factor of figuring out and uncovering is probably a strength of yours and what gives you the thrill is that right or no yeah yeah that i would say that's that's a pretty reasonable assessment like i like i don't know it's like my thing is someone commits to play football at iowa it's like okay what else is there to know about them? Like, there's got to be something else, um, whether it's, like, their backstory or they've got, like, I don't know. So, like, it's kind of that same thing where it's, like, I like knowing everything or close <laughs> to it or stuff that people don't know, figuring that, like, extra information out. So do you have that with your in your personal life as well, or is that just in your professional life? I would say probably in my professional life but also um i know my girlfriend probably hates this but like (laughs) i i will like not like interrogate but like ask a lot of questions or like bother her at times with stuff where i'm like i just i'm trying to get like all the information (laughs) i can on something yeah it's almost like work is bleeding over into the i I feel you there because i'm in a sales role and I try to to learn everything about people as well, not maybe to the, the capacity you do, but uh, whenever I'm like hanging out with friends or something, they're like, dude, why are you trying to like go so hard right now? And I'm like, sorry, it's just a habit from work. Oh yeah. Or if like my girlfriend and I are trying to make plans, I'm like, okay, what time is this? Like where are we meeting? Am I picking you up? Stuff like this. She's like, well, we'll just figure it out or whatever. And I'm like, I need to know, like, I got to have this planned oh, out. I got to know how this is going to go. Well, hey, you mentioned something a little while back that I wanted, I wanted to make sure that we touch on because I'm, I'm just curious. Um, with COVID-19, obviously, you mentioned like right now, a big part of your job is setting up calls via Zoom and, and talking to people, obviously, whether it's conference call or a Skype call, just like we're doing now. Has that been the biggest change for you? Or if not, what has been? That probably has because... I mean, going from, obviously I didn't necessarily, I didn't attend any sporting events when I was in Nashville with my job. It was like following trends on, you know, Google trends or Twitter, stuff like that. But from Iowa city, when I was with the DI, like my life was press conferences and sporting events. And then talking to these guys, going to practices and stuff. And I love that because for me, like one of the reasons why I love my job was those relationships. Like we talked about that you can make with people, um, because I think everyone's got a really, everyone has a story to tell. And a lot of those guys are like very, very interesting. And so for me, it's like I went from being able to have that face-to-face interaction to then me almost like cold calling or emailing coaches trying to set up times like, hey, I'm like, you don't know me, but like I work for the register or I, I do some stuff with Sports Illustrated. Like I'm, and so part of me is like when I found out that, well, when I didn't find out, when, when COVID hit, it was kind of like, shit. Because everything, like, especially with the NBA, when everything just shut down there, I was covering the state basketball tournament when, like, Rudy Gobert got sick and the NBA shut down. And I'm sitting there, like, 
man, are we going to finish this tournament? I'm like, what am I going to do? Because <laughs> like <laughs> sports are, that's my livelihood. Literally, that's how I, my job is with sports and covering it and around that stuff. So like in that sense, I had to get creative and make a bunch of calls. And it was definitely an adjustment because yeah, I'm like used to talking to these people face to face. And I think it's easier to build those sort of relationships in person than over the phone. Um, obviously, I may do because I make up for it by probably bothering the same people multiple times over the phone. But <laughs> yeah, well, that brings, up, that brings up an interesting second question then. So you kind of you kind of answered it, but I want you to just expand on it a little bit. So do you find like when you're hitting up the, these people that you're wanting to do stories on or do a piece on or maybe you even get assigned to? do you find that it's a little bit harder to like establish a relationship with them? Or do you find that like, it takes a little bit to, to maybe get to like the, the, the stuff that people don't necessarily know about these people you're covering or, or is it, are some people easier to, to break down that wall than others? Or how do you find that working out? It's definitely like a, a person by person, uh, basis. Uh, for me, it's like, so when I got back to Iowa, I didn't start my stuff with Sports Illustrated until like March or so. And so at that time, a good number of like Iowa's incoming recruits for like 2021 had already committed. So like I had never talked to these guys in the recruiting process. Right. And so they obviously have these relationships with a bunch of other reporters who have covered their like since high school, their their journey, like the recruiting process and everything. And I just kind of pop in. And I'm like, hey, um, wondering. And so a lot of the times I start out with a lot of basic stuff where it's like, Why'd you commit to Iowa? Or if I'm doing stuff with the register, it's like very basic questions just to kind of get to know them like on the outside layer. And then if I hear something, I'll sort of poke at that and be like, hey, like that's kind of interesting. Um, like what's up with that or stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's I've had people who opened up to me right away, like Arlen Bruce, who I was talking about, who's tight with Pat Mahomes. Um, like he just mentioned it and we got sidetracked talking about that for like 15, 20 minutes. And then there's other guys who I know they have a story, but I, at the end of the day, like these are high school or like college kids and they may not want to talk that much or they just like haven't been asked about some of that stuff. Um, so sometimes some people take a little bit more work. I don't want to say like to crack open, but like just to get on that comfortable basis, because, again, it's like I'm not talking to these guys face to face. It's all over the phone. Right. Well, so the kind of last point I'm going to I want to talk touch on. Just because Nick and I talk about this a lot, obviously, both being in sales roles and obviously relationships is everything, especially in if you're going to work in sports, um, it's huge. It's who you know. It's it's getting to know a lot of people and expanding your network. So talk about for you, your experience, like how important has networking been for you? Getting your name out there in front of people, getting to know literally as many people as possible all over the country in covering all sports in every in in the south in the northeast on the west coast in the midwest in the south like everywhere how important has that been for you yeah it's it's been great like that's literally the reason why i got my job in nashville with the usa today network and it's why i got my jobs um with the register and sports illustrated back in iowa um i will always shout out the daily iowan because they have a huge alumni network because just that's been around forever and so there's multiple guys who work at espn like wayne drays who's like a feature writer uh mike triplett who covers new orleans saints um i got to meet mike at like we had like a the daily iowans like 150th reunion was a few years ago so i met him a few other people with usa today um and i was just like 
holy cow, like the, the DI alumni base is like everywhere. Yeah. So you have to meet these people. And it was, it was cool to see people who are sort of in my shoes. I was like, okay, like this is a very legit thing. Like this isn't like just a college newspaper. Like it's a stepping stone to be able to meet other people and network and move on. Um, like the reason why I got my job in Nashville, because it was because my boss, my junior year worked there and they were hiring. She hit me up. She was like, you want a job? And I was like, sure. And so then I <laughs> talked with her bosses and stuff. Yeah, and that's literally how that came about. And they were like, we know that, you know, so my, my friends, my old coworker, her name was Grace. She was like, my boss is like, we know, you know, Grace, uh, you're both from the DI. So like, we like trust that you kind of know what you're doing. So I was like, sweet. Like, that's nice to know. Um, <laughs> and then like I, my register gig, I got to know because another, uh, one of the guys who used to have my role, um, actually Cody Goodwin, who covers like wrestling and some high school sports. He hit me up and was like, hey, we're looking for a freelancer. Um, and then my boss at Sports Illustrated, I worked alongside when I was in college. So I kind of knew him and he hit me up when I was back in Iowa. So relationships are very, <laughs> very key. Because, again, that's why I've worked where I've worked. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it sounds like they have been literally the foot in the door for, for every opportunity that has presented itself up to this point. And I'm sure that will continue to be the trend, especially, I mean, as you get to be higher up and higher up and, and more opportunities present themselves, it's literally because of who you know and, and you know the relationships that you've already established. It's a trickle-down effect. It's more about who you know versus like what you know sometimes. Because if two people are qualified for the job and then you've already got a connection with somebody, like that's a huge plus. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a huge advantage, right? I mean, <laughs> a, lot, a lot, especially right now, is, you know, I mean, you... you University of Iowa has a great, great student-run paper, like you said, with the Daily Iowan. But it, you know, it's not like you're going to a Harvard or a Yale and running, you know, running the entire like student paper. You're not the student body president or anything like that. Like, yeah. but I think to your point, Adam, like that's why it is so important to to network and like build relationships because it is who you know and not necessarily what you know. Like. If you know someone, let's say you want to go write for Sports Illustrated, you know someone at Sports Illustrated, that's going to set you up a lot better than maybe the kid who worked at the, the student paper at Yale, but is just trying to get a gig, doesn't necessarily know anybody. So I, to I totally agree with you on that point. And Jeremy, go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, getting to know people and knowing people and having those connections, especially like during the COVID world, is 100% going to be in your benefit. Because now companies are not going to look at like your diploma because you have mass, mass amounts of students going online for the first time in their entire lives. And more likely than not, the quality of education is going to drop severely because a lot of these teachers are also teaching online for the first time. So now you're going to see like us entry level employees where we have the, the weak connections and we have experience and people are going to lean on that more instead of the just right out of college, oh, hey, you got a degree because they're not going to be able to trust that your degree means something because basically everything has been thrown on, uh, thrown on his head. We got to talk a little bit about kind of where you're at life-wise, but I think we'd be doing a disservice if we had a sports writer on and we didn't get some of his hot takes on the sports world right now, especially with coronavirus, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with just getting sports back and running and the bubbles that are popping up 
you know, within the, within basketball and within hockey and, um, what in the world's going on with football? Are we going to have football and the mess that is the baseball season that's going on right now? Um, so before we jumped on, you actually, you ranked for, for the three of us, kind of your top five sports. Um, you listed basketball, football, baseball, track and field and wrestling. Obviously, you know, I'll say this right away, being an Iowan, Nick being an Iowan, me being an Iowan, like wrestling is huge in the state of Iowa. We know that anyone who listens to this, if you're not from Iowa, just know wrestling is huge in Iowa. Um, I want to start though with basketball, just cause that's, that's your gig. Like you covered it at, at for, you covered it for the DI, obviously like we just got basketball back. The bubble has been a huge topic of discussion. Um, what is like, what, what's your take? I mean, if you're going to write an article today, what are you writing about the bubble concept and just like the, the beginning of the NBA season? I'll, I'll say this. Uh, my thing would be like other sports leagues take notice because the NBA is doing a great job. Um, I might be biased because I'm a huge NBA fan, but I think that sports league is the best one in America. Um, I think the way they handled the bubble situation is great. You look at the MLB when guys are like going out to casinos or bars and stuff and <laughs> like having all this extra exposure. And it's, I get that, you know, they're, they're not at a central location, but I mean, the NBA has got it unlocked. Like those guys are like, they're, they're going to finish the season. And I, I would be shocked if there were any major hiccups just because of so um, well run that league is at this point, especially right now in Orlando. So I'm going to, I got two things. First, I'm going to defend the MLB because, you know, I like baseball, but so yeah, <laughs> unfortunately the, the oh, players, we're going to get to baseball, Jeremy, don't you yeah, worry. The players immediately shot down the bubble idea brought forth by um uh mlb so that was never really a, a topic of conversation to even like get started but then how do you feel about lou williams hitting up the strip club stupid he's stupid um <laughs> to be fair i mean if you're going to a strip club where you got wings named after you like i respect it to a degree if you're that frequent of a customer um but also the nba was like we're not gonna let you back in the bubble right away like he had to quarantine <laughs> and like wait his time and miss time and he missed like a couple of those technically like those regular season games that are like counting towards yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think is great. And I think you nailed it, man. Like they are clearly having results by the protocols that they've put in place. And you can tell, and I, I think kind of secretly, uh, the guys that are at the top or the cream of the crop, not that Lou isn't, but they know that if they want to have this season go through, that they all got to come together and like participate as well. And I think you're seeing that too. Yeah, I, I think that's what you need, though, with that sort of a league or with any sports league in general. When you get it, it's a trickle down effect, like we're talking like top down, where if you got LeBron, Giannis, all these other guys saying like, OK, like the bubble isn't that bad. We're going to make this work. Then the rest of the guys will follow suit. Yeah, and I think secretly LeBron's forcing everybody to have this season so he can go ahead and win that championship in L.A., but. <laughs> that's neither here nor there but um so you you had mentioned nba clearly over college basketball or how do you how do you feel about the the college season too i like i love college basketball i might be a fan of the nba more just because sometimes it's well it is like more fast-paced um i hate watching college teams like wisconsin play who grind it out and they'll oh, score yeah, like 30 sure. points in a game. Oh, it drives me nuts. Um, I love that Iowa moved to a much more up-tempo offense these past like 
<laughs> ever since McCaffrey took over, it's been much more fun to watch. But um, I don't know. There's just something something about like I think the guys in the, the NBA are like some of the best athletes in the world. Um, like I, I probably if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably go NBA over college hoops. Oh, oh yeah, really sure. quick. I'm, I'm just- Really quick, just before Jeremy asks that, what does the the return of Luca Garza mean to the University of Iowa basketball program? They're in a Final Four contention, what? at least on paper. Oh, that, that's that a hot is, take I was looking for. Right there, uh, they have some of the best shooters in the conference, if not the country, with like C.J. Frederick, Jordan Bohannon's finally healthy for the first time in like three years at Iowa. Um, they like Garza is obviously Luca Garza. Um, Basically, here's I'm not going to rant too much. My synopsis on what he brings back is you have the best big man in the league. You can't double team him. Otherwise, if you do, you have four shooters on the outside because I was going to run like a four guard system next year with Bohannon, uh, Connor McCaffrey, Wieskamp and Frederick. And it's just like there's going to be guys open for three or Garza is going to be able to just eat in the paint. Um, Obviously, it may not go like that because anything can happen. But that's my. My take on Iowa. I think the team is going to be very good on paper if we have a season. Should win the Big Ten, but Jeremy, go ahead and kick her off, buddy. No, I was going to say I I can't stand college basketball for the same reason, especially like most Big Ten teams. Like literally Minnesota, Wisconsin. Like watching those games, like you're supposed to get super hyped for it because you know fuck the Badgers. But um, <laughs> like you watch that game and it's like, all right, so are we gonna are we gonna shoot or are we just gonna pass until uh until there's five seconds on the shot clock get a get a really bad shot up and then run down the court and play defense it's it just gets to the point where those games are just like oh come on it's 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 dragging on it's dragging on it's dragging on but then uh then on the flip side i gotta watch the timberwolves so it's it's a tough choice between the between the two at some point do you think we could get like the you think russell and carl anthony towns can coexist I think it'll be an interesting experiment, but when you're when you're scoring 140 points a game and giving up 180, it's uh it's tough to win. <laughs> See, I'm surprised that that you like the NBA more. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm an old school guy, so I really like college basketball and I love how they're playing for more of that championship rather than the NBA. But some of the plays in the NBA are just absolutely ridiculous and like that's why people watch it just watching James Harden just make people look silly or LeBron or all these folks but I hate to do this to the basketball conversation but we have so much more to talk about guys I think we better kick it on to the next sport uh that being football and this is very interesting because I'm a bear fan and and my friend Adam is a a Green Bay Packer fan so the very first question I want to ask I think he knows what I'm going to ask or you probably have a good idea um the draft man uh, what, what's going on in Green Bay, Wisconsin? I thought Aaron Rodgers was the end all be all. And apparently leadership thought differently. Yeah. They're thinking for the future. Um, I don't blame them. Uh, I was, I don't know if I, if upset is the right word, but when like the first round of that draft where Green Bay trades up and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to snag a wide receiver because they need one. And there were guys like Justin Jefferson from LSU might have been available. I know for a fact T. Higgins from Clemson was available. There's a few other guys. And I was just like, this is it. This is Green Bay drafting a number two receiver. This is Rodgers giving him a playmaker. And then they're like, oh, Jordan Love. And I was watching <laughs> with my brothers. And we're like, what the hell was that? We, we stayed up 
to watch Did I hear that, May? Yeah, we're like, a quarterback? Like, what? Like, I, so I was a little worked up that night. I was like, this is stupid. I hate everything. And then by, like, the next morning, I cooled down. I was like, you know what? This is smart. Rodgers has not been the same quarterback he's been in the past, you know, five years. He's not in his prime. He's going downhill from here. He's still, like, a top six quarterback right now-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. But he's not, like, in contention for, like, an MVP right now. So. I get the shift, but also it's very painful to watch. Because I, I, so, I think Rodgers is going to be gone in three years from now with the Packers, maybe two. Because he has a, a – there's part of his contract where he can technically – him and the Packers can part ways, and there's not a cap hit, I think. So what does that mean then for the, the Urbandale product, Alan Lazard at wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers? He's got that number two spot. Like, the guy's a gamer. He proved himself that he, he can hang in the NFL after he was undrafted, which he shouldn't have been undrafted, first of all. Yeah. Um, but listen, I'll take it. Uh, he made some plays last year where, like, this guy's legit. And I, like, watching him at Iowa State and even at Urbandale in high school, I was like, oh, yeah, he's legit. But it's weird to think that there's a kid who was playing football. Like, literally, Cole, your backyard, you know, 15 minutes away from my house. And now right. he's playing in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> right. Aaron Rodgers is calling his number. It was the, the Monday night game. Aaron Rodgers yeah, is calling his number, getting him in. Yeah, it's uh, that was definitely cool in our household. We were we were all together watching that. It was that was crazy to hear, especially after the game when he comes out and says that. It's it's absolutely wild. But Nick, go ahead. So I posed the same question here with this uh, with this sport, college or, or NFL. College. Hey, that's what I like to hear. Why is that? I, I think, like, I just think there it's just absolutely craziness every year in college football. Um, I think you have some games where, like, as growing up, like watching Iowa football and covering Iowa football, like it might not be as exciting as fans would want. Like, you know, you get like a nine to six game or something like that. But I mean, man, <laughs> so true. But like this Back year, in black plays football, one time. Yeah, it's like that's it, and then it's just like you know you sit around for three hours and watch a few field goals. But like, <laughs> I think with this year, especially for college football, like I look back, I had to work the um, Alabama and LSU football game where it was just a shootout between like Burrow and then Tua because they played him like last minute and everything, and like those games I live for. I think they're so exciting. Um, and I just think it's, it's just so, obviously like Alabama was, is always good. LSU was great, but like, I just think that there's, it's so competitive and there's just chaos every year. I want to, I want to go off what he's saying. I mean, college football just brings the, the excitement and the, the engagement that, you know, pro football can't bring. Cause like, if I want to go to a Vikings game, that's like, a hundred dollars for me to get into the stadium alone where like a gopher football game i got tickets to go see wisconsin for like 20 bucks in the upper deck sold out super fun snowed like eight inches a lot i saw the the gophers get their ass kicked by wisconsin but i mean <laughs> after watching the gophers this year i was like you know i have just so much more pre- appreciation for college football uh the gopher football program and pj fleck than i do for the vikings any day, any day of the week. <laughs> I love it. 
Well, Adam, I'm really curious, and just because we're on the, the college football and mainly the Iowa Hawkeyes talk, you mentioned a little earlier that you got to, as a freshman and kind of as a sophomore even, like experience um, Iowa football kind of like with your buddies, like as a normal college student would. And then obviously as you took on the sports editor role, like you were in the pregame stuff, you're covering the team, you're even going down to Florida, I would imagine during their bowl game to, to yep. do coverage down there. So what was your favorite part of Iowa football, whether it's tailgating or like a game, like a one specific game moment or like something about Kinnick Stadium? Like what was your favorite moment of Iowa or what's your favorite thing about Iowa football as just like the fan that, you know, the freshman Adam got to go to, you know, with his buddies, as opposed to your favorite, like your favorite thing about Iowa football working pregame covering the team? I would say for me, so my freshman year I had season tickets and I think the my favorite moment was Iowa played Pitt in Kinnick and it was like a blackout it was a night game it was, it was like, a night game yeah it was like military appreciation night they brought out Brent Greenwood who has like hasn't he his whole body he doesn't have like total function of his body because of like an accident he's had and they brought him out there with like Pat Anger who was a former linebacker who was a dog in the day and, like, that's how the team left the tunnel back in black place. And you have this safety who was a boss at Iowa who was, like, walking out in the field with the team. And, like, the place was electric. And then Iowa won on, like, a 53, 57-yard field goal, something like that. Um, yeah, that was insane. And as, like, a fan, I was, like, middle of the row. But then a bunch of people left later, especially when, like, did no one wanted to stick around. And the student section, some of the people left early. And I'm like, there's still a bunch of football left. So I moved up. And I was, like, I think, second row. And I got to watch that kick to win it. And it was so cool. Um, and, like, the place was electric. But in terms of covering a, a game, um, <clears throat> I think for me, my, my perspective kind of changed. Because, like, I'm at the point now where I, like, genuinely do not care if Iowa wins or loses. It does not affect my day whatsoever. Interesting. Like, I had to check. I had to check that at the door when I worked for the DI because they were like, you cannot root for a team. So in my case, I root for the scenario just out of pure selfish interest. So for like basketball, I was rooting for Iowa to win so I could cover an NCAA tournament. Um, stuff like that where I'm like, I just want to have that experience. For football, I would say probably um, the Outback Bowl was like the coolest thing I had covered with um iowa football when they beat um, mississippi state in 2019 um just because that was the last game i covered but it was just this it, like i ended up winning after nobody was really gonna give the hawkeyes a shot because they're playing an sec team right yeah it uh i mean those are the kind of things just like just to touch on it briefly like one last time like those are the things that like make it all worth it at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's great to like make it a career and get paid to do it. And obviously like, that's the the goal with anything that you're passionate about, but those are realistically the things that like keep you doing it and, and keep you getting up in the day. But, uh, I want to hear baseball just because obviously I have now started, you know, my professional career working in minor league baseball and minor league baseball was sh- put into shambles this year with COVID-19 and the season being put on pause during spring training and then having to restart without a bubble. And, um, it, everybody's had their opinions. And as I've gotten into working in professional baseball, 
Um, as you know, through a mutual friend of ours who works in minor league baseball as well, you know, I've talked at length with her about it. I've talked at length with, with many other friends, some of which we've had on our podcast already. Um, but dude, what's, what's been your take on, on major league baseball as a whole? Well, first of all, uh, major league baseball did the minors dirty, this whole thing. Um, I, like that honestly pisses me off. Uh, because it's like those are the guys that like need baseball and also it's like you know from the other thing like like you Cole like that's your job um, right it's stuff like that where I, I feel like it's there wasn't like I don't know it could have been handled differently um, so that not everything would have happened the way it did um, but I think like we kind of touched on earlier how I joked that the MLB needs to take notes from the NBA with its ability to quarantine and stuff like that. Um, they do. Though. I don't want you. To, yeah, like, like, yeah, because you got, like, I think it was, but the Marlins had their whole mess. Marlins where, had like fifteen. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's uh, I don't that's get it. Courtesy of the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine I'm like, what is what is it the the Lou Williams strip club wherever he went he they uh, also went and you know. <laughs> exactly. Um. I joked where I was like, I was talking to one of my buddies about that. And I was like, honestly, if I were to pick a major league baseball team that would like a hundred percent violate like social distancing and be going to strip clubs <laughs> and doing all this stuff, I was like, it would be Miami. I'm not surprised <laughs> in that aspect. So, yeah, I was, uh, I was listening to uh, starting nine and they actually kind of broke it down. Like they have literally zero veteran leadership on that Marlins team. Like, the most established guy is like a utility guy, like a, a replacement level utility guy. So like you got, you got like, they're like, they were literally leading the NL East coming out of that weekend. And they're all, all these young guys that made uh, major league baseball for the, their first time ever, just because they were on the taxi squad and stuff. They're like, you know what, let's go get fucked up and let's get, hit up the, uh, hit up the <laughs> hotel bar and the strip club. And yeah. I think with like uh, the other teams, like the Dodgers, where you get that veteran leadership, where Justin Turner literally stood up and said, "Hey, you cannot do this. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. We are going to win a World Series." They don't have that, so you mm-hmm. know, they basically need a babysitter at this point. Yeah, and that's the thing where I think the league could also do a little bit more. But like you said, the players opting out of that bubble, it's like, what can you do? I guess well, in yeah. that sense. Yeah, the the bubble. Um, the bubble was supposed to be played in Arizona where it gets up to a uh, hundred, 815 <laughs> degrees during the day. Um, you know, outdoor sports are not meant to be played when it's 108 to 115 degrees. So I think if they want to play a postseason, they will definitely go to a bubble and it will more than likely be Arizona or Florida, whatever is doing better at this, uh, at that junction. But for now, I think they're going to, they're going to roll with it and they have 30 people at alternate sites waiting for their chance. So I think that's, you're going to see about 20 of those players come up and play with uh, play for your local team at some point. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm all about it. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting um, that, you know, it, a few weeks back, you know, you have the, the Lou Williams deal. And um, there was the case about Zion having to leave the NBA bubble for a family issue. And obviously there's been a little bit of a slow start there. I don't I like, you know, I don't know the the what the scoop is there. Uh, maybe you guys can fill me in, but uh, it's just been kind of interesting that the COVID cases for the NBA have kind of subsided. And as we've got the season underway, you know, it's, it is kind of smooth sailing. Um, 
However, baseball, I feel like every single day we get, you know, I get a new alert from Bleacher Report or ESPN or Sports Illustrated or like Fox Sports, whatever, that it's like, you know, Yadier Molina just today, you know, COVID-19, shout out to the the St. Louis Cardinals. You're not going to get to play any games this year Um, because, you know, every team you're playing has COVID-19. Now your players are getting COVID-19 and um I just, I don't know. Like it's, it's been interesting. So it is, it's interesting, Adam, you know, as a sports writer to hear your thoughts on that, because yeah, like the difference between a bubble and non-bubble is, um, clearly being, um, seen, I think, you know, and I think it'll be continue to be that way for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I'll add this quick, um, covering high school baseball and softball this summer. Um, that went incredibly smooth given the, the issues right now. And, there were obviously teams that had shut down their seasons because of COVID. Um, some were able to keep playing after a while. But again, I have very, very limited knowledge of some of this stuff with the MLB. Don't know any of the players in the MLB. <laughs> but from my perspective, it was like, man, if these high school kids can be responsible and take their summers off from like hanging out with friends and doing this stuff, like I think adults should be able to as well. Well, really quick, I know Jeremy has a question for you, but I want to touch on that really quick because Iowa is the first state to get high school sports back since coronavirus has hit. So what were your impressions of the way that um, the, the state tournament being played at Principal Park, home of the Iowa Cubs, AAA for the Chicago Cubs? What did you think of like all the things that were put in place? I mean, obviously you said you thought it ran smoothly. You were down there for the entirety of the tournament. So like, what were your impressions and how do you think that can roll itself over into getting fans just back into stadiums at any level yeah the iowa high school athletic association did an incredible job that week they limited the number of people that could come into games like in terms of ticket sales and then they zip tied a bunch of the seats so even if you wanted to like (laughs) sit with someone that you didn't buy tickets with you couldn't because it was zip tied and some people still broke the rules but it's like there are constant reminders, don't mess with the zip ties. And like 99.9% of people didn't mess with that. Um, there were certain things like tickets were available in blocks of four, I think. So if you bought one ticket for yourself to go to the game, like you wouldn't necessarily buy the whole row of four, but the other three seats by you would not be able to be purchased by anybody else. So it's like if you, anyone from one to four people could buy, like take up a seat of four, Um, so in that sense, like we had, I want to say like 1200 plus people at principal park and everyone was spread out. And I was, I don't think surprised, but, um, it was just like very well done by the, um, high school athletic association, like keeping people separate and having those guidelines in place because it worked out. Yeah. I wanted to say like, we're doing the same thing up in Minnesota, but with amateur baseball. So up here in Minnesota, we play. Um, I play in amateur baseball and our governing association governs over 180 teams in just class C alone. And there's another hundred something teams in class B and A. And so far, like we have been so good on like not spreading the virus. It's like we get to go to the park every day and play baseball. Like I, I show up three, four days a week. I play baseball three, four days a week. We have zero problems whatsoever. We have to limit to 25% capacity. So that means we get um, about 250 of a thousand people that can come into our stadium. So we've been doing like across Minnesota, it's been, we've been doing a great job. I mean, I mean, 
like the fans, I think are, I, we're the most, we're the most worried about our fans getting it because we're, mm-hmm. I mean, baseball is a socially distant sport at this point. Like the only, the only time you're getting close is when you're an umpire, uh, catcher, batter, first baseman or a runner. So as players, we're not as, as worried about contracting the virus on the field. Whereas we're, the organization is more worried about, Hey, there's a party deck up in, uh, we have a party deck up in left field and we're like, you know, this may not be a good idea this season. You know, we got a bunch of people that want to come up here, get drunk, hang out, get really close. And then on that note, I want to say major league baseball. If we look at it, only about 0.2% of their cases, new case or 0.2% of their cases, every time they, they go around is are infected. So it, doesn't seem like they're doing that bad of a job. It's just because of the outbreaks between the Marlins and the St. Louis that we get a really just, you know, you are, I don't know, um, Sports Center loves to just press the new infection. Like it's the new hot 100%, thing. 100%. Like it's, if you, if you look at the Phillies and the Twins, the Cardinals literally went and played the Twins when some of their players were infected. So they took their test, I, I believe it was Wednesday, played the Twins, and then got their results back, and two people were positive. You look at the Twins, no one on the Twins has tested positive since. If you look at the Phillies, who played the Marlins with 15 people who got infected with COVID, no one on the Marlins got infected. So it's kind of like, we're going to push this because it's coronavirus, but it, it, it just gives baseball a terrible rep. And like I just try to fight that every time I hear that. I'm like, yo, like... Yeah, these dudes hit up the strip club, and that is 100% not okay. But if you look at the protocols that are in place by these other teams, it's going just it's going really well, apparently, actually. So I want to, just to be cognizant of time and conversation, um, I know that we've had just a freaking riot talking to you about sports, and I think we could probably talk to you for another three hours. I don't know <clears throat> if our listeners desire to to stick with us that long, but we've appreciated it, man, for sure. Um, right here quick before I ask you this, or, or we keep rolling to the next sport, uh, for all those Hawkeye fans listening into this episode, I want to uh, make sure that you're really enjoying uh, yourselves as a, a fellow Hawkeye is on the, the podcast with us. But um, a sport that does not get a lot of traction, uh, I would say at the college level or, hell, even the national or Olympic level, track and field. And this is something that we wanted to talk about that, you know, not a lot of, uh, or I guess your core football, basketball, baseball, fair enough. But uh, you, you written, I believe, or followed a lot of good stories at the University of Iowa. And I kind of want to just kick it over to you. How was your experience with track and field? Yeah, track and field was lit. It's a good time. Um, <laughs> they got a, they got a great program in Iowa City. Joey Woody is the head coach. Um, like they're on the, they went from like barely, I want to say barely being competitive. They weren't great in the Big Ten to now they're like placing in the NCAA like championships and they've got these relay teams that are just full of studs. Um, both the men's and the women's teams are great. Um, and the people on the teams are a blast. Like those guys are hilarious. Um, I knew I got to know some of the sprinters fairly well. Cause I wrote a lot about one of the relay groups, my freshman and sophomore season or freshman and sophomore years at Iowa. And like those guys just have a blast. Like it's they're goofing around, but they're serious about it. And I feel like you definitely get a sense of like that family culture with track and field at Iowa, at least. Um, and it, it also helped that like I played the sport. Or I 
I ran track and field in high school. So I was like kind of biased. I'm like, okay, I liked it enough to where I ran it for like four years. So I definitely want to cover this when I get to the DI. And uh, I think the Iowa track and field team needs, needs some love because they got quite the program. That's awesome that you say that. So uh, I'm a little biased because my girlfriend ran Division Two track, and that's not the D1 level, of course, but she did run at some events that were there were D- Division One athletes there. Uh, I will say, from being kind of a uh, uh, a jock, so to speak, with football, baseball, uh, and some of the other sports, that when I went to go see her, I was blown away by the level of athleticism on the track in these different competitions, these different events, and I was like. I will never underlook the the athletes on the on the oval, so to speak. Yeah, everyone, especially like for the the runners, everyone's got burners. Everyone's just so much quicker than you think they are. And then like same for like throwers and the jumpers too. It's like it looks easy because like if someone's uh, like shot put or discus, it's just like a little disc or a little ball. But I mean, those things are heavy. <laughs> And you got to be strong to like throw those things around. And like, I got so much respect for some of the, the hurdlers and like the long jumpers because mm. I have long legs. And I was told, oh, like growing up, I was like, some of my coaches were like, oh, you should try hurdles. I can't get my feet that high enough. Like, I end up just hit, like, I am not <laughs> that coordinated to do that. So I have the utmost respect for people who hurdle and also the jumpers too. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it's, I had two good friends run track that were, that were pretty competitive in high school and it was super fun to watch them. But, uh, I just, yeah. So like when you're watching a guy on, on TV or, you know, maybe we can, I don't know, do you write on the Olympics at all or, or national, national squads? No, I don't. I the, pretty much my extent of writing about track and field was, uh, in college, like my first two years and a little bit like my junior year too. Okay. Gotcha. We'll we'll make sure we keep the conversation rolling, but uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure that we got that track and field nota- notoriety in there. That they're just some insanely elite athletes, and uh, they all have, like you're saying, a, a family organization to them. And if you go out, like so, I w- because my girlfriend was in track, I went out with them to party and stuff. They're a different breed, as sure I'm sure that everyone says for football, as for basketball, as for baseball, but. Uh, yeah, they're, they're super fun to hang out with. And when business arises, man, they, they know how to get down to work. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, last but not least, we want to touch on wrestling just because, you know, you and I being from, from the state of Iowa, we know how, how big of a deal, um, wrestling is in, is in this state. Um, talk a little bit just for maybe explain why wrestling Adam is so important to the people of Iowa to someone who may have no idea like why wrestling is such a big deal and like why would anyone want to wrestle why is the university of iowa's wrestling program so good um and if you know anything about the situation talk about the disrespect that kale sanderson uh made to iowa state when he he decided to leave and coach penn state wrestling (laughs) um i can't talk too much on the sanderson thing um but I know, first of all, shout out Iowa State because they've got a pretty quality wrestling program too, but uh, Penn State's is on another level. Um, I think for me, why wrestling is just so big in Iowa, like I never wrestled growing up. Like I'm not built for wrestling. I'm like 6'2 and skinny. Um, I cannot wrestle. (laughs) But I like growing up, like I knew that wrestling was a thing because it was obviously 
it starts at like the the grassroots level with like high school sports and youth wrestling clubs and everything. And that's always a thing that like it was there. I never participated in it, but I I knew of a bunch of kids that wrestled and stuff like that. And then come to find out as I get older that Iowa has just such a deep history, just winning title after title after title at that national stage. Like if you think college wrestling, you think the Iowa Hawkeyes like that. When they coached by Gable, they had literally one of the best dynasties in all of sports, any level, pro or college, where it was for like 21 championships in 25 years, something like that. And then they're right, they're a little bit below it, but they're they're getting close to stiffing that with uh, with Brands as head coach now. Um, like with Spencer Lee, they have now. Um, like wrestling is fun to watch in Iowa City, and I, I will say this: out of all the sports that I've attended, covered, whatever, nothing has beaten. Uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena packed for a wrestling meet. That place is so loud, and wrestling fans are insane. I I don't get it. I I just when I was there, I was like, holy shit, what did I get myself into? When I'm like sitting down, and literally everybody is standing up screaming. Like there's no no one is just sitting there. It's just chaos, and it's 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 like a bucket list thing. Or if you're in Iowa City, or if you're in Iowa, you got to go to a wrestling meet in Iowa City. Well, I think Nick and I would agree too. You know, him and I went to a few wrestling meets just for like Division Two wrestling, even. And um, yeah, I mean, wrestling fans are a different breed, and it's like it's crazy. One, one turn, one wrong turn for a wrestler, and it's like the crowd goes absolutely nuts. The the scene just like completely erupts, and obviously the tides turn, and a match can be won or lost based on you know one very very small minute movement. Um, so I totally know how that goes, but, uh, Nick, go ahead. Well, this is, uh, I just want to throw this in. Um, but we don't understand, or at least, I mean, we have an acknowledgement, but like people think of football. So they think of going to Alabama or Ohio state or any of these elite programs. Like we almost take for granted being a non wrestler in Iowa that we're literally staring at an elite of the elite program in the country. And so I have a, a couple of good friends that go there every every year for every match because they just say like football man's one thing, but you got to come down for wrestling because when we bring in the Penn State to Carver Hawkeye or Oklahoma State, like it is just uh, an atmosphere that you'll never forget. Yeah, that Penn State meet last year. Um, I was in Iowa City, and I will forever kick myself for not attending the meet. I watched it on TV at a friend's place instead. Um, like it was so loud, like I just you could see it from watching the television broadcast. Um, but to your point, like Iowa wrestling is the equivalent of like Alabama football this like decade, pretty much. Seriously, though, I mean, you, the lineups that they have, and and I think even last year they were looking to to win big, and uh, they will in the coming year. And I'm I think for the most part, you may know this better than myself, so please correct me. Uh, the eligibility is available for some of the wrestlers, I think. I think so, potentially. Um, are you talking about like with the COVID stuff, right? Yeah, because they were cut short. A lot of them were cut short. I know Spencer was the big story because he was going for a four P and he got cut short. But yeah, when yeah, that's the thing that I think stung the most from all that was just the fact that Spencer Lee was going to be able to compete. And like this was a year, this was a year that like Iowa was going to be gunning for like a team title, um, which stinks. But I, this is bad. That I don't know this. I. I don't know for sure because I think with wrestling being mainly in the winter season, um, I don't think they gave back eligibility 
I know it was okay. like baseball and softball and like track and field were given eligibility just because like that's the bulk of the seasons were in that that spring area versus like one it, or two meets for wrestling. It was all spring sports got an extra year of eligibility, I believe. And then because it was already in the championship season for like wrestling and basketball, they did not get an extra season. See, that's mm-hmm. just so absurd and unfortunate. But uh, hey, man, like I said, we could be talking on this all night. And uh, I think Cole may have some questions for you. If not, um, we can keep moving on here. Well, the last thing I want, I want to let Adam touch on, obviously, uh, we've been talking sports, but Adam actually recently started, you know, he, we were lucky enough to get him on our podcast, but Adam just started his own podcast. So I wanted to let him talk um, about four down territory, kind of what they talk about there. If you liked what Adam has talked about just on here, I can only imagine it's just a, a, a little glance into what four down territory is like. Yeah, basically it's myself and three of my buddies that we we had this tradition of like basically we would go to like this bar in the middle of the week because we all had the night off and we'd get beer we'd get beers and just talk about sports and argue because they'd have like those middle of the week NBA <laughs> games on and we would just sit there and argue cuz um you know we've got it's about any type of sports cuz especially football because I'm a Packer fan one of my buddies is a Colts fan we have a Chiefs fan and a Patriots fan um and Jeez. so of course that gets a little he did at times. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But uh, we, we were like, okay, well, we already have these debates and arguments like 24-7. Why don't we just record them? Um, and so it, was, it started off as something fun to do during quarantine because like half, two of the guys were in Iowa City. Another one was back here in Des Moines. But like we weren't hanging out, obviously. So we were like, oh, let's like Zoom. And we would like hang out and like kind of talk. But after a while, we were like, let's actually do a podcast. Like we have the time. We might as well. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, basically it's us just ranting about sports. We go down way too many different wormholes. We get off topic really easily. Um, it's stupid, but we have fun doing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the best part is like the best part about any podcast. And that's the whole reason we started state street is to talk with your buddies and obviously get to talk to cool and interesting people such as yourself and, and all the other guests that, that we've had on and the guests that we will have on, like that's just a perk. Like it's another way to, to network and establish relationships really. And that's kind of the, the era we're in and it's a good way to entertain people too. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know, we teamed up with our guys over at Driftless. You guys may have heard Clayton Lieb come on the podcast and do an interview with us. Well, we got a promo code go- going on with them. Type in state street at checkout and you get 10% off your entire cart. Get things like the hats, the hoodies, the t-shirts, the stickers. The hoodies and the tees, you guys, let me tell you, they're some of the softest clothes you'll ever wear. They look great on men and women. They got a new women's line coming out very, very soon. Guys, go get some of these tees, hoodies. The, the hats got great designs, and the stickers will look good on water bottles and laptops. Yeah, dude, I got like four questions for you that we kind of do with every guest. And then um, we will just kind of, we'll say a, a quick thank you and we'll get you out of here. All right. Cool. All right. Um, so obviously it's very well documented on this podcast. And I mean, I'm sure if you read anything that you've written or just, you know, if you go through your Twitter, you know, you know, if, if who, anyone knows Adam Hensley, he is a diehard University of Iowa Hawkeye fan and he is a diehard Green Bay Packer fan. So Adam. What would you be more okay with Iowa State winning a final, winning a, a NCAA basketball or football like championship or the Chicago Bears winning a Super Bowl? 
Honestly, probably. Oh, this is tough. Um, if you were to ask me this years ago, I would have said the Bears. But right now, I gotta go with Iowa State because Cole, <laughs> I do not mean to slight you, but going to school in Iowa City with like where ninety percent of the campus is are kids from Chicago, it is ah. so annoying. Football season is the worst. Um, everyone thinks Mitch Trubisky is like the savior sent from heaven to resurrect. <laughs> franchise that's a good joke he's not and the bears are just hot <laughs> trash but like, oh, I will say, like, I, I, that's what i like I, to hear right I, there i've never like i don't i have a lot of respect for bears fans though because you guys aren't annoying like the in iowa city it's just like i go out and everyone's in a bears jersey and it's just like okay whatever but viking fans, fans on the worst. other hand let's go oh, yeah worst. oh my goodness Packers yeah, fans Viking are the worst. Fans are <laughs> Unless I wear that on my shirt. I'll take that as a badge of honor on that one. <laughs> I respect I respect the heck out of that answer. I really do. Because I, if nothing else, we can we can agree to disagree on the Bears versus Packers rival, rivalry. And, and if nothing else, I will say this just as a little side note. I have total respect for the Packers just because of the rivalry. There's a lot of history, but I have zero respect for any Vikings fans, for the Vikings themselves, <laughs> the everything surrounding the Vikings. They're like they are just that middle of the road, always Kirk Cousins, who's the perfect. Well, I mean, we've had a, outside of uh, the what the 2018 season, it's been a it's been a pretty good uh, good ride uh, outside of you know 2018 where where the Bears you know they just got lucky that 2018 season and kind of found themselves a little <laughs> bit. Anyway. Uh, getting back to my, my question, <laughs> what, Adam, for you would be like the dream job, dream assignment, dream interview um, in, you know, like being a sports writer, any sport. I mean, it could be like Usain Bolt for track or it could be Patrick Mahomes. But, like what would be like that? That golden elephant like that, the 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 kind of the, the I've made it moment, like the holy crap moment, like this is it for you being a journalist in sports? That's a really good question. Um, I like that. I would probably, this sounds basic, and maybe it's because of Last Dance, but I would love to interview Michael Jordan. Like, I think, I, I don't know, I, maybe that was just because there was no basketball, and I was just, I loved that whole documentary, but I was just like, I think I would enjoy sitting down and talking to him and I could pick his brain and just ask him questions for days on days and probably annoy the crap out of him. But <laughs> that'd probably be my, my dream interview, I think. All right. Good answer. Um, so obviously doing a stint in Nashville, we talked a little bit like r just right before we jumped on um, recording this whole thing that you kind of had to adopt country music, like living in Nashville, you're kind of forced to just like, enjoy it figure out like what country artists you like what country artists you don't like so adopting country music when you were in nashville what was your favorite country song a answer this correctly please <laughs> um definitely anything by sam hunt um no um <laughs> kidding um i don't know i'm like a, when it comes to country i'm a big darius rucker fan um Ooh. i know i don't know if we count Darius Rucker as like you know all in country um just because oh, like yeah. you know Hootie and the Bluefish too but um I love his stuff um I don't know like 
all right. I love that song. Um, for the first time is good. Probably, though, if I had to pick uh, Wagon Wheel, but not Darius Rucker. Old Crow Medicine the original. Show. The OG, the original version. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I've know never. If that's considered country, but. <laughs> I've never heard that, so I'm going to have to, as soon as we get off this, I'm going to have to go listen to that. But uh, the last <laughs> question I got for you, man, um, you mentioned that to be the best, especially in journalism, sports writing, um, I'm sure really writing in, in any sense, or whether it's sports or anything, uh, you said reading is super important. You got to be reading all the time. Um, figuring out, you know, what, like what, it, what's going to be the next topic you're trying to find, like you said, the go, maybe a level deeper, see what's under the surface of, of people that you're trying to establish a relationship with and, and maybe write a, write a story on. So what would be like some good resources for, um, people to read or to look to or follow on social media or listen to or watch that would help people get to get below surface level when they are establishing those relationships with people? Yeah, um, I think The Athletic does, a, you obviously have to have a subscription for that, but I think The Athletic does a really good job doing deep dives um, statistically into things, but also um, just kind of crazy features. So like I talked about going down wormholes, like they do that more than anybody, I feel like, and I, it's great. Um, I would also say at the top of my head, I have my Twitter pulled up, so I'm like making sure I get this. Um, Warren Sharp does a lot of uh, analytical stuff for okay. like NFL football. Um, same with like pro football focus, that sort of stuff. Um, I love the analytical side of things. I know some people don't like that, but um, like Warren Sharp's like the guy for me, I think, for uh, like professional football at least addition to like some of the stuff with like pro football focus too because that stuff gives you sort of the 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 why behind things happen um whether it's like statistical trends stuff like that um where like you want to get super in-depth and in theory with things but like um everyone's sort of like a variable on the playing field and everything like this and it's like well why did so and so why is this person good um not just like they are good again it's like the why behind that Gotcha. Well, um, dude, why don't you go ahead and plug your social media um, so that people know where to find you. They know where to find your work. They can follow along with stuff that you put out and stuff that um, you really do your deep dives into. And uh, and then we'll get you out of here. Sure. Um, Twitter's basically where I put all my stuff. Um, uh, my handle is uh, a underscore hens, H-E-N-S. And then eight three, Ahens eighty three at Twitter. Gotcha. And actually, you're you're our first blue check mark, so that's actually huge too. I just I, I just found that out not too long ago, so that's that's huge for um for you. I'm super excited for you. Congratulations on that. That's I'm sure a big step, especially in the journalism field. Like that's that's got a it, it's an acknowledgement of your hard work. I'm sure. It's a sick flex. It helps when I'm like um, randomly DMing people to try and get them to talk for stories. Um, I feel like they're more inclined when it's like, okay, this isn't just anybody. Um, but 100%, <laughs> that was a perk of my last job. Um, <laughs> so. well, nice. Dude, well, um, as I said at the beginning of this, I mean, you're like one of my oldest friends. We went to preschool together. I'm so excited that you got to come on and and talk your takes, talk about, talk a little bit about your journey and like where you've been, 
what you've done, what you've experienced, what you're doing now. And um, it's been a lot of fun just to catch up and uh, obviously introduce you to the guys on State Street and have you on uh, and talk a little bit. So, dude, thank you so much for taking your t- some time out of your, your evening and talking with us. Yeah, Cole, thank you again for having me. And Nick and Jeremy, thank you uh, also as well. Nice to meet you both. Um, this is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's been a blast. I mean, we don't every day we don't get, you know, the the super in-depth sports and, you know, myself being coming from a sports background, it's definitely fun to actually, you know, get deep into sports and be able to talk to someone on the same level as me. All right, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and give us five stars, like and subscribe. If you want to follow us on social media, you can hit us up on Instagram at State Street Pod, Twitter is at State Street Pod, and Facebook is State Street Podcast. Adam, it has been an absolute pleasure, my man. And I think uh, this is a bold statement. I think of all the guests that we have had on, we could talk for the longest period or duration of time. And to uh, to those folks that are listening, I think they would agree with that. Hey, we're uh, we're trying for sure, and we appreciate your support. And guys, go ahead and give him a shout or give him a look on, on their podcast to, to be supportive there as well. And uh, we are picking up back up this next week. We're diving into Soup by John Gordon, and that will be kind of the kickstart and the catalyst to the, the final set there. So it'll be fun to dive in. Uh, with the State Street Gang, but to all my Hawkeye fans that uh, peered into one of your most loyal fans, we appreciate you doing that, and until next time, guys.